0: Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info.
1: Atlanta's always had a history of peaceful marching. So I think a lot of people expected this to be a peaceful march. And it just turned out to be a violent one. And, and I think that surprised a lot of people. It shocked a lot of people. It shocked a lot of the all guard civil rights people who are still around. It shocked Chief Shields. It shocked T.I. and Killer Mike. It shocked Keisha Bottoms. So that was the difference. That was, that, this was like that one instance where everything kind of fell apart.
0: I'm Steve Fennessy. This week on Georgia Today, Ernie Suggs, a reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. 2 weeks ago, when he went downtown to cover the first major protest in Atlanta surrounding the death of George Floyd, he was expecting something peaceful. He was expecting the Atlanta way.
1: Well, in Atlanta, we have this we have a we have a way of protesting that's traditional in Atlanta. And that's kind of basically what I was expecting was a peaceful pro well, a peaceful but, you know, kind of lively protest where people would get together, they would march, they would uh, chant, they would probably sing, there would probably be a couple of speeches, and then people would go home. I was expecting to be home by 10 o'clock at the latest, So I just thought it was gonna be a simple protest rally and march to the Capitol and back, and um, and that was gonna be it, because that's what we have come to expect in Atlanta. But as you as you know, that wasn't the case. Overnight, across the country, the calls for justice are growing more intense. In Atlanta, where protesters filled the streets, smoke billowed into the sky as a police car went up in flames. Nearby, crowds set their sights on the CNN Center, vandalizing. The protest was basically started on Thursday night. A group decided that they were going to meet at Centennial Olympic Park. Another group said they're going to meet at Centennial Olympic Park and march to the Capitol. So at some point, these two groups got together. I think it was going to start at 3 o'clock. They were going to gather at Centennial Park. They were going to march. They were going to start marching at 3.30, and they were going to start marching back from the Capitol at 5.30. By Friday afternoon, they had thousands of people at Centennial Park ready to march.
0: And at that point, there seemed nothing necessarily exceptional about this to you.
1: No, not at all. I mean, people were marching, they were chanting, they were singing. Uh, you had the leaders or some people with megaphones. It was black and white. It was. I, you know, I saw a woman in a wheelchair, who a motorized wheelchair, who was doing it. I saw a woman who had a dog in a baby carriage who was strolling. Uh, kids were there, older people, black and white, as I said. So I didn't see anything extraordinary. Once we got to the Capitol area, I did see a couple of people tagging some buildings, just tagging some government buildings, but I thought these were just outliers. The original plan, I think, for the organizers of the event was to walk back from the Capitol, back to Centennial Park, have a rally, have speeches, have water, snacks, have prayer, and go home. So. That was the plan, and I think 90% of the people followed that plan. The other 10% are the ones who stopped in front of CNN to antagonize the police. So you had the police with the with the uh, with the bikes there that were kind of guarding it, and you had the police cars behind it. The police were not dressed in any kind of riot gear. The police were dressed as their regular, if they're regularly on a beat, with their shirt sleeves out, you know, and you know they were, and you know it's just that classic photograph of a line of police officers, uh, six inches of space, and a line of protesters in their face, calling them cowards and pigs and sellouts and murderers and things like that. It's a typical thing that you see at every rally. You had these water bottles being thrown, but then you know people started throwing rocks, and then people started throwing rocks at. The CNN building and basically trying to break all the windows out of the CNN building, throwing rocks and bricks. And, you know, these windows are very thick. So, you know, you would, a rock would hit it and it would make a loud boom and they're thick. So they didn't always break. So, you know, once they, once one broke, you would get these loud cheers.
0: We're here inside CNN center. We're just in the last 10 minutes. Demonstrators have started to come up and down this thoroughfare of Marietta and break out windows of CNN Center. CNN had a, a clip of one of their own camera units from inside, from behind the police who were lined up just inside the the doors and the broken windows of CNN, and then a, a flashbang was thrown in from outside. And it was, it was pretty startling. You okay? You okay, guys?
1: You had all that. You had fireworks going off. And then as they were, you know, police lined the uh, front of the CNN building to try to, I guess, prevent people from actually getting in the building. And the cars were basically left exposed. And, you know, the cars were always kind of being surrounded by marchers and protesters. And then all of a sudden, people just started attacking the cars. And it was so loud, because people were jumping on the hoods, stomping on the cars, stomping out the, kicking the windows out. They were just, like, using these skateboards like baseball bats, just destroying these cars.
0: What's going through your mind? Uh, Because, you know, you're here to cover a protest uh, about the the death of a man who was killed in in, in the most abominable way. And what are you thinking about as you're watching these protests devolve into this kind of violence?
1: I never thought that I would see this in America. And this is stuff that I never even saw. And, you know, I saw stuff at Ferguson where the police were using militarized vehicles to, you know, push back protesters. But I've never seen protesters actually do this to the police. They basically beat the police at this point.
0: What happened next? What'd you do then?
1: Well, at that point, you know, it just becomes a matter of once, you know, once the cars were set on fire, fire department came and put it out. And at that point, it just becomes a free for all. Things are beginning to get really, really ugly in terms of just how, uh, how this completely got out of hand. Um, so as the, as the cat and mouse game between the police officers and the protesters continued, it just started to get more violent as the minutes progressed. And that violence was manifested on businesses, basically down Marietta Street and all through downtown Atlanta, all through Atlanta, the city of Atlanta.
0: If you want change in America, go and register to vote. Show up at the polls on June 9th. Do it in November. That is the change we need in this country.
1: Keisha Lance Bottoms, she's saying that basically you can march for George Floyd. you can be upset about George Floyd. But what good is stealing? alcohol or looting the college football hall of fame of its t-shirts going to do for george floyd what is that how does that correlate
0: you are disgracing our city you are disgracing the life of george floyd and every other person who has been killed in this country On Saturday, the police presence we saw was very different from the one we saw the night before. Good evening. My name is Erica Shields. I'm chief of police for the Atlanta Police Department. As we come back into today, we have an absolute zero tolerance policy. Zero. There will be no lawlessness. That was probably most um, egregiously represented when – Two Atlanta college students were pulled forcibly from their car and tased by two police officers. The students' names were Taniah Pilgrim, who goes to Spellman, and Messiah Young, who goes to Morehouse. Here they are talking about what happened.
1: I'm sorry you guys even had to see something like that occur. Like, it's disgusting. And like,
0: that's, that's all I had to say. This isn't just about me, right. this isn't just about us. This is an entire generation that has to deal with brutality and injustice and wrongdoing for nothing.
1: Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms wants change and wants to be at the forefront of this change. If you look at that Saturday night, the quickness in which she fired those two police officers who've tased those two college students, that's an indication that we're not going to tolerate, the city's not going to tolerate that anymore. Several days after the two police officers were fired, um, all of the officers who were involved in that arrest and that apprehension were criminally charged by the Fulton County District Attorney, um, Paul Howard. So based upon our um, consideration of the facts, uh, we uh, have on this morning presented to one of our Superior Court judges, uh, six arrest warrants for these six officers These are all Atlanta officers, um, and I'm sure you recognize that two of these officers have already been terminated by the Atlanta Police Department. And that came as a, a complete shock to Chief Shields, who in a memo to the police department said that, you know, she was blindsided and that she felt there was a political move by the district attorney to brandish himself as a law enforcement guy on the edge on the eve of an election.
0: So allying himself with with the Black Lives
1: Matter movement. Exactly. 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 By saying, hey, I'm not going to tolerate this. Now, I mean, you know, if this had happened two weeks ago, you know, would he have made the same decision? We don't know.
0: And Chief Shields, uh, one of her concerns about it was that it was going to hinder her ability to bring in officers from other departments uh, for fear of being exposed to liability.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I think she also felt used and felt that she was being used, the department was being used as a political pawn. Right. You know, on days before the election, and, you know, you're charging police officers, you know, that I've already fired.
0: How has this, covering this, affected you compared to, you know, past protests, uh, past killings of black men by police officers? How has this one felt different for you as, as not just a journalist, but as a black man in America?
1: As a black man, you know, watching George Floyd die, watching the videotape that they, um, that they, they created for his funeral of him, living as a man was emotional. Um, so those things do strike you on an emotional level. But as a reporter, um, you know, I still have to basically tell the stories and try to be as neutral as possible in telling those stories.
0: It, during the course of the protests, you know, in the, in the days after that, the initial, um, protest of Friday, May 29th, Uh, one of your colleagues was detained, no?
1: Yes, uh, we had a photographer, a young African-American woman who was detained by, um, I'm not sure exactly what department detained her. It wasn't the Atlanta Police Department. Um, We don't know what the circumstances were. As far as I know, the circumstances were that she was a black woman. And she showed her badge, she she had tons and tons of camera equipment on her, and she was detained. She was put on the ground, she was zip-tied. And she was not freed until she was vouched for by two white journalists. What does that say? I think it capsulized the frustration that we've been seeing for the last 400 years and which we've been seeing since the death of George Floyd. It's all it's all it's all one. It's all part of the same narrative that we've that we've been living through, that African-Americans have been living through for 400 years.
0: George Floyd is just the latest black man to die at the hands of a police officer, but could his death be the one that finally sparks real change? That's ahead. This is Georgia Today.
1: Blackness isn't just about race. I'm Deneen Milner, and I'm a New York Times best-selling author. On my podcast, Speakeasy with Deneen, I dive into the beauty and humanity of blackness with people like writer Tyari Jones, journalist Demetria Lucas and rapper Killer Mike. Listen to Speakeasy with Denine from Georgia Public Broadcasting. Subscribe for free at gpb.org podcasts or on your favorite
0: podcast app. This is Georgia Today. Ernie, what is the Atlanta way and how has it played out here or, or not played out during the protests surrounding George Floyd?
1: Well, I think that, you know, Atlanta has always lived by this thing called the Atlanta way and it's based on another saying called the city too busy to hate. In talking about the Atlanta way, if you recall in 1968 when Martin Luther King Jr. was killed, dozens and dozens of cities, urban cities went up in flames from washington dc to kansas city missouri to detroit chicago all over the country 1968 a year of change
0: a year of protest protest through vocal but orderly demonstration and protest through murderous lunacy robert kennedy murdered in june not long after the assassination of martin luther king
1: atlanta where martin luther king was from and where he lives and where he obviously meant the most to people. They had a peaceful um, march on April 9th, I believe, uh, from the church to his burial, to Morehouse College, through the city, very quiet. And there was no rioting, no fires, no destruction, just a peaceful march to honor this man whose whose death um, had occurred. Uh, So the Atlanta way was that kind of way of kind of like, we settle things you know, kind of peacefully and and talking about it and not being violent. I think a lot of us went into Friday's protest rally thinking that was going to be a repeat case.
0: So the lions of the civil rights movement um, are aging. Some have passed on. Um, and so this torch has been passed to, to new generations. And yes. as civil rights becomes and, and remains... A profound issue within America. How has the Atlanta way been sort of updated to to meet the times?
1: The question is, does the Atlanta way still exist? Um, you know, a lot of the businesses, a lot of the people, like you said, a lot of the people who created this or who, you know, who are the forefronts of this have passed away. A lot of the businesses that were so heavily invested in Atlanta because they were run and controlled by Atlanta families are now multi global businesses that are led by people who don't, have real ties to Atlanta. So you kind of have that, there's no real connection to the city anymore. So that Atlanta way way of thinking may not be the same thing that was going on 50, 60 years ago. So you have a new generation of protesters, you have a new generation of leaders, uh, kind of this loose amorphous generation, you know, Black Lives Matter, mixed with college students, uh, mixed with activists, who don't necessarily follow the same rules that um, their forefathers follow. And I say forefathers, meaning they're, they're people who came before them in the civil rights movement.
0: Let's take a second and hear from Andrew Young, former UN ambassador and Atlanta mayor, who did not mince words when he was talking to 11 Live News about protests in Atlanta. We saw a bunch of clowns showing off toward the end. Now that wasn't true in the beginning. It was a beautiful, multiracial, multi ethnic, different people were there with their parents and children and it was a terrible thing that happened in Minneapolis. Uh, but one sick policeman should not be able to destroy Atlanta. Ernie, what kind of substantive changes could we see emerging from these protests?
1: You know, I think right now we're gonna to have to start getting into the to the actual planning. The the legislative look at this the, the, um, to look at systemic ways in which we change the police department, I think that the protesting and the violent, the protesting, I'll just say the protesting. I think that the protesting worked because it, it opened up the conversation. It let people know that African-Americans and people of color and, and Americans in general, it shouldn't be just defund, confined to African-Americans are tired and they want a different way. You know, they voted to defund and disband the police department in Minneapolis. I'm not sure how that's going to work. And hopefully, that's not going to happen all over the country. But people are looking at different ways in which America can be policed. And I think that George Floyd kind of opened up that conversation.
0: Our thanks to Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporter Ernie Suggs. In the wake of George Floyd's death and the nationwide protests that it sparked, changes to how America polices its citizens could be on their way. Atlanta Police Chief Erica Shields said one of the greatest strengths of law enforcement can also, at times, be its greatest weakness. We hire people who represent society, and sometimes the worst parts of society end up on our payroll. Knowing this, we at APD consistently discuss, very openly, race and race-related issues. Behaviors need to be put in check. Being polite, sensitive, or afraid of hitting problems head-on just doesn't work. We have too much authority not to deal with issues firmly and immediately. I'm Steve Fennessy, and this is Georgia Today. Our show is produced by Sean Powers. Thanks for listening.